0: Freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of association. These are rights protected and held dear in the heart of the American Republic. That is why today in a joint message from the ATF and the FBI, we would like to remind everyone of the importance of what we do to protect these rights. Today we take the time to remember those brave agents who stormed the compound at Waco. Let the sacrifice of those 25 children on April 19, 1993 Hold as a constant reminder, as of to the links your government is willing to take to protect these rights from being threatened. God only knows the terrible fate that would have befallen these children had we not intervened. Thank you for your time, and God bless America. gentlemen, it is time once again for Against the Mob podcast. This is Logan Carpenter speaking here with Matthew Billingsley. Uh, we're going to get into today just sort of the, a, a common theme that we get into a lot, the powers that the state has over you, um, what their rights are to kind of dictate the way you live your life. And we're also going to talk a little bit about uh, the anniversary of Waco. Uh, we thought that was a prudent one to bring up being the, the date that it is, as well as uh, Biden's first War feather in his cap as he uh, got to drop the first bombs of his administration.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent, man. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. Before we get going, please like, share, subscribe. I know I say this every time, but um, I cannot stress it enough, guys. Your support really goes a long ways with this podcast. If you go, if you like the show, please, I mean, take thirty seconds out of your day and give us a five star review, um, especially on Apple Podcast. That algorithm really loves five star reviews. So it's one of those things. If you like what we're doing, man, um, help us out by at least doing that. I mean, I'm so thankful that you guys continue to tune in week in and week out. And we love your support for that. But when asked you to go the extra mile, you know, uh, just a little call to action this week. Um, with that being said we wanted to really slow down and, you know, continue just breaking down the role of the state and how it actually impacts our life. And I think that a lot of people are ignorant and blind to the fact of how power is actually wielded and how it is transferred in society. And I blame that we don't have civics class for that, but I wanted to highlight, um, you know, just the legal authority that the state has over our life. And just to point out just a continuation of, of our last episode you know the state ultimately has this power that it delegates to other men that if the state and these other men see fit, they can come murder you. And I know that people like, oh, you're so hyperbolic and you're so you're so out there. It's like no, we have we have real life examples of what happens when you go crossways with the state and Waco is uh, Waco has been on my mind. Um, I was just on, uh, I was on the current conversation yesterday with Jamie Kane and uh, Mark. I can't remember his last name. He's got a podcast, uh, Wolfcat FFE. Anyways, uh, we were, uh, we did uh, the current conversation yesterday and we were talking about, um, you know, just, just the Syria bombing and, and war and all of that good stuff. And just how at the end of the day, like, how is this any different, didn't just state state uh, state sanctioned murder.
0: Right. And I think we're going to try to draw some lines. The reason we want to talk about two very different things and kind of our foreign policy here, as well as uh, one of the events we've had on American soil in Waco is to draw the comparisons between that and that it, it is sometimes hard to merge them together when you're thinking about uh what we would term domestic terrorism versus our foreign policy and what we do in these other countries. Um, But in our minds, at least, it comes down to a lot of the same thing in a lot of this and that people have the right or at least should have the right to pursue the life that they see fit, that each of us gets to use the own information that we have about ourselves, our own skill set, as well as the environment around us, the people around us. And we should be able to create a life that we see as our own pursuit of happiness uh, in the pursuit of our own religions, our own uh, aspirations in life, and that it shouldn't be dictated to us from some other person, whether that comes from a power structure that's uh, one of these occultists. And I, I think there are a lot of gray areas there that are difficult where, you know, you you don't want these children to be raised in a church. I know a lot of people, Scientology is one of the hot ones now where they've uh, gone through a generation essentially of people and and you worry that what is our responsibility to these children? And I recognize that there are tough questions there, but at the same time, do you have the right to go in and abduct someone's child who they brought into this world, who they are raising, how they see fit? Uh, and a lot of this was what we have run away from. The, the entirety of human history are stories of groups of people who were oppressed, uh, typically by a state because it is the strongest amalgamation of a power where they can consolidate this and force an entire region to, to live the way they want. Uh, and we have stories through, in every culture of how we've escaped these kind of persecutions, whether they were religious, race-based, or, or whatever be it. That that is kind of a common trend, and, and that's what we see any power structure at least being capable of becoming.
1: One hundred percent. And I think that something that I want to focus on that we that we want to look at is I'm not here to I'm not here to absolve what happened. You know that was that what was going on inside in Mount Carmel, right? I'm not here to say that everything was a 100% on the up and up, right? You have allegations of child abuse, which is never cool. You know, there is polygamy going on there. Um, I will say just as a caveat, like if you don't like... You know, fifteen-year-olds being married off to a cult leader um, at that at that particular time, that was actually legal under Texas state law because if the parents consented, that girls as young as fifteen could be married away. And you know, because it is a cult, these parents are consenting to it. And so, I guess what before we just dive into this, what I what I don't want to do is play the um, right word um, apologist. I don't want to play an apologist for all of the the misdoings at Waco I wasn't there I don't know I haven't dedicated a ton of time to actually trying to learn everything that was going on but we there's some gray areas that I think that as 21st century Americans especially 2021 Americans we kind of say maybe that's not 100% cool but at the same time I think one of uh, something that we have to remember as modern day people is that we have the we have the luxury and the benefit of knowing how history plays out. And sometimes it can be unfair to assign 21st century principles and morals or even, you know, or even year by year um, things that we know now to the past, because, you know, we evolve as people and culture changes there. You know, there's a reason that once upon a time, Jim Crow was very popular. Now it is not right. And that is a sign of the cultural shift that uh, that just happens over time. So, I'm not here to be an apologist, but like Logan said, doesn't it strike anyone odd that the government can just decide that we don't actually like what you're doing. And so therefore, you know, we're going to, we're going to raid your compound and we're going to execute these search warrants. And in the, in the process of it, you know, 67 people or 76 people are going to die, 25 children, right? Does no one stop to think that it's like, whether or not you agree with what's going on. Do those people deserve to die for what they were practicing? Because I'm going to argue that they probably didn't.
0: Right, and and how many of the what were the atrocities? And and the truth is, we'll never know exactly what the story was on how occultish this this thing was. I, I was listening to uh, David Thibodeau, who's one of the survivors earlier today, um, and he paints a pretty rosy picture of it. And, you know, of course he has an incentive of it. He, who knows, he seemed to be one of the early ends. So who knows what kind of propaganda he's spreading on his own. And this itself is a a power structure that was being used. You know, it's, it's not a coincidence that, um, all of these occult leaders become polygamists. You know, there, there's very few non-polygamous cult leaders. They always seem to, to come around to that. And I was really exploring an an interesting view. I'd had a conversation online with a, a gentleman who was, um, Kind of making the case that we weren't taking human nature into the ideas of the free market enough um, and i really don't know if maybe we just haven't done a good enough job of presenting that here uh, but i really didn't didn't vibe with his argument exactly but i thought it was something i wanted to address and that it, it comes back to this idea that there isn't a, an illuminati or a lex luthor in the background or the wizard behind the curtain necessarily uh, that we are in essence a natural being uh, that the modus operandi of nature seems to be to create and proliferate life to some extent, at least from an evolutionary standpoint. Uh, and that when you're presented with an incentive structure that allows you to take advantage of other people in favor of your own family and it can ex, you know that can go from direct line all the way out to extended family to um, it even gets drawn at racial lines or national lines. Uh, but when you have these abilities to take advantage of your neighbor to to be able to, uh, in this example, a a, a cultist type of personality, a charismatic leader rises up and is able to convince a whole group of people that he's the only one who should be having children in the compound and they should all be bringing the women to his front door uh, versus the what it can become if it becomes something larger, if it's uh, the Catholic church structure that goes into these crusades into the Middle East or what we're seeing with American imperialism now, um, it's is the nature of humans, that it's not even necessarily coming from a place of evil. I think that's where we get this idea that power corrupts absolutely, that because the natural process of what you have within you is going to be to better your lot and your lines, genetic lines, lot in life, you're going to use what tools you have to your advantage. And that's why we as libertarians are very skeptical of these large state power apparatus that we create, that I think the idea behind them is the safety, that we're worried about these charismatic leaders that take Rise Up, that build these cult followings, that become things like Scientology that spread out through the entire U.S. and people go missing and, and they hold them captive or whatever, we we're afraid of the the branch Navidians taking over. But the truth of it is, when you create these power structures, it's still at the whim of who controls the power structure. And we've seen these occultist leaders in an example like a Hitler that have risen to power to the point where they have captured an entire state. And then they now get to use this immense power that would not otherwise be available to human beings to inflict damage on other people. Uh, and, and that's what we are trying to focus on. The message we're trying to really spread here is that we think the, the answer to this is that there probably never will be a perfect power structure to keep the world at peace. But rather, we can create a system through the free market where your incentive base now is to create value with your set of skills that you have available to you in your local area to benefit the people around you so that you have chips at the bartering table, so to speak. Uh, And that, that that is the best way to capture human nature and to use it in a way that is resourceful rather than in a way that becomes destructive to the people around you.
1: Yeah, those are all extremely good points. And while you're talking, I was thinking about Sam Harris, where I actually really do like his podcast. Um, But a lot of times I end up just disagreeing with his ideas and his conclusions. But one of the things I disagree with is he said, one of of the best things that humanity has ever done was consolidate authority and power into the central state. And I, I disagree with that one, because I can see where he's coming from. Like the argument is like, the world's safer when you only have one bandit running around uh, raiding <laughs> tribes instead of several bandits running around raiding tribes and stuff, but it's, but I, I just reject that in its practice and in its principle at the end of the day, because the world is no safer because there's you know, there's consolidated power in the state. The world's no safer because of it, right? Genocide, or sorry, democide is the leading cause of death on this planet. And that is death by government. Right, and I I don't know the stat off the top of my head, but it's somewhere upwards of like three hundred million people, if not more, um, in the last couple hundred years. And maybe I'm and maybe I'm skewing those numbers, but regardless of what they are, it is the number one cause of death in human history is death by government. Now, if you want to break that down, all that is is a bunch of individual murders, one-on-one crimes of aggression that are being Um, Facilitated and being condoned by the state. And just to like touch back on Waco, because we're going to go back and forth between Waco and Syria and just kind of pop in and out of this stuff. That I mean, regardless of what we, regardless of what you think is going on or regardless of how you feel about it, at the end of the day, and I understand that there's so much gray area. And I'm not here to get just like lost in the nuance of just counter arguing everything that we say because we could have a full episode and talk about the nuances of Waco and and what happens when you have children involved in child abuse. And is are people in a cult really consenting or is it Stockholm syndrome? But at the same time, like if you're going to make the Stockholm syndrome argument, it is no different than the people that have just drank the Kool-Aid thinking the state is the end all be all. I mean, at that point, um, if you think that taxes are the price that we pay for a civilized society, if you think that cops should be the only one to own guns And can kill you if you break the law. Then, congratulations, you drank the Kool-Aid, and you are you are a victim of Stockholm Syndrome as well. Your captor has had you in its clutches so long you have developed feelings for it because you can't imagine life without it. Just because they give you food and water and a cage and maybe a you know some extra crumbs to play with does not mean that this is this is good and it is right, and that is what we are here to do. We are here to really highlight the fact that. We have to reject the fact that the state has the power to murder you if it sees fit. That is a crime of aggression that we know to be wrong, immoral, and illegal on an individual level. So why, once again, are we going to hold the state to a different standard? If another cult decides to go seed, you know, lay siege to Waco, would we not sit there and be like, whoa whoa, 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 who are you guys? What, like, you don't, this cult, cult A doesn't get to tell cult B how to live their life. And at the end of the day, that is why libertarians, we have a guiding principle. It is the non-aggression principle. We do not hit kids. We do not take their stuff. And we certainly don't kill them in the sandbox if we disagree with them. And so why, 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 why? Is it okay for the state to go raid a compound, and I mean, and I, I man, I get it. Oh, it's so loaded. Well, they, well, you know, there's allegations of child abuse. There's polygamy. I hear they're hoarding illegal weapons. Okay, all of that. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's like you have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And if in that, let's say that you know, there's actually not child abuse, by what's going on inside, people actually have their rights to life liberty and the pursuit of happiness, because Logan and I are of the thinking, like, if, if it's not harming anybody, then it's none of your business.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, that's, and I think that's a lot of what, and even today, the preaching of what America is, is about this ability to choose your own life, this ability to live the way you see fit. Um, and I think it's a shame that, that, and it comes back to that human aspect argument that once you get to a place of power, that all of a sudden it shifts and you start doing things to oppress the other side, to, to kind of make your own path easier in a way. Um, and what I always think of when you think of things like this, it's easy to, to point to the other, the, well, look at these religious nuts down here in Waco. Uh, but how long ago was it that we condemned how, how many gay men had to live entire lives in this nation uh, pretending to be married to a woman that they had no feelings for? or living the bachelor life, quote unquote, where they had a roommate uh, deep into the, the end of their life. Um, because these things were, were, as the power structure was held by the right and the conservatives frowned upon that type of behavior and it was hard to progress yourself in life. Um, it's just the idea that all of us have our own experiences, our own, in the, the to use the language of the left, our own lived experience where we, only you can know What's happening in your life and be able to make the best excuses for it uh or the best uh, decisions for it we hear that a lot when it comes to things like the abortion argument where it's a lot of women want to say men shouldn't even have a seat at the table and however you feel about that that's the idea that we have this strong identity when it is oppressed upon us that you cannot dictate to me how my life is to be lived and yet we have this cognitive dissonance when we gain the power ourselves where we somehow lose the understanding that the individual has the right to choose. And we start forcing this onto each other. Uh, and that's, that's the grotesque nature of, of the state and of, of, really of power in general, um, that these oppression doesn't come until there is power. And I think that gets pointed a lot in the wrong area where we want to look at the groups that have oppressed in the past and say, we need to get it out of their hands but really, the root of this oppression every single time, the common denominator for all of these slavery, genocide, all the worst atrocities in human nature is always the state that they need this power structure in order to coerce you into uh, living the life that they see fit for you.
1: Mm-hmm. And we even talk about tribal creatures and the us versus them complex is something that just runs that is one of our that is the most there's the easiest way to organize society and groups of people right whether we're tribes on the plains of africa or we're engaging in total war creating the us versus them actually galvanize people against their fellow man and i mean let's just just for the because i don't want to just get lost in the nuances and bogged down in the gray let's just take for just humor me for the next 40 minutes that everything that is going on inside in Waco is consensual, right? Let's just, just grant me that argument for 40 minutes. So, and then if you really, if you, if you want to have a conversation about the nuances, then great. Uh, Let's talk about them because I'm fascinated by them and how do we draw those lines? But if everything that's going on inside in there is actually consensual, you know, adults are deciding that this is how we want to live our life. And we decide that this is the rules that we will abide by. And I'm okay with, you know, having, I'm okay with all of this, right? I I'm here by my own free accord and I consent. Then at that point, who is anybody, especially the guy to roll in there and decide, you know what? I actually don't like the way that you guys are playing the game. I mean, I'm here to, I'm here to, I'm here to arrest you. And I'm here to, I'm here to seize your property. And there's just so many missteps with this one. And it just highlights maybe the fact that what happens when you have this power structure that is so top down and you have suits that are thousands of miles away, they're making decisions that are going to impact real people, right? It's like that, that raid is signed off by someone. I don't know who signs off on that, on that, uh, that arrest warrant. But guess what? Somebody in the ATF signs off on that and someone pretty high up signs off on it, too, because if you're rolling in Blackhawk helicopters, if you're rolling in, I mean, how many 50 something agents, you know, if you are staking out the, the the compound with three undercovers months before, right, like that's not something that a low level field uh, field agent gets to decide. Like that is that is a decision made by a suit at a desk in Washington, D.C., and the fact that that guy gets to make that decision, which then starts this whole debacle, which then, and, and I don't even know how long the the siege actually lasts. Um, maybe it's six weeks or something like that. Because I know it, it kind of comes to a head in mid-April. So let's just say six weeks for a rough, a rough time frame. But even then the actual, you know, raid to, you know, literally finish this off, and you end up burning everybody who's inside to a crisp, you know, and I'm not even going to go because I'm gonna have to, I have to stop derailing my own points with gray area. But you know who signs off on that, that raid, the Attorney General, at the end of the day, the AG of the United States under Bill Clinton, signs off on that raid. And she says, yes, we will deploy tanks on American soil. I mean, the tanks were already there. But it's like, we're going to put CS gas to pump it full of, we're going to pump that compound full of CS gas. And for the uninitiated CS gas is in common parlance is known as tear gas. Tear gas is a substance that when it gets on you, it burns. Um, It's actually a, it's actually a very, very fine powder. And it just looks like gas because it's just that fine of a particle, but it gets on your skin and it gets in your eyes. And the more you touch it, the more it digs in and the worse it gets. And so interestingly enough, tear gas is outlawed under the geneva Geneva Convention, right you can't use that on a battlefield now in 21st century it doesn't matter i'll just drone strike you i don't need tear gas to get you out of a building right i'll just drone strike and move on um as we've seen in syria but regardless like i just want so i just want everyone to stop and think about it all right you had you had 80 you know, close to 80 people subjected to torturous conditions. they they cut off the power. They didn't have running because they're on wells, so they're 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 low on water. You have kids in there, and I and I know the Waco series tried to paint them as like good guys and oh let's give milk to the kids and oh we really care. It's like, yeah, if you really cared, you just go home and you'd let these people be. Um and you end up having like they are shining lights in, they're playing extremely loud music, they're robbing people of their sleep, which is, I mean, that's that is like that is a def, that's like textbook torture, right? To to rob someone of sleep, and they subject these people to these terrible conditions, that if it was anyone except the state doing so, we would all be extremely appalled. We would say, oh my goodness, why are other human beings doing this to other human beings? And at the end of the day, they roll in, they pump the compound full of CS gas, knowing that there is a history of pumping buildings full of CS gas, and all it takes is one spark. And it goes up. There was there were several episodes in the 20 years leading up to wake up where police learned that lesson. You know, that that wasn't a surprise. When that building erupts, they're not like, oh, my goodness, we had no idea that CS gas can erupt and just burn everything down. There's like, yeah, we actually know it does this. Um, and we did it anyways. Let that sit in that they suffocated and murdered all of these people. Those 25 children, regardless of what you want to say about the adult children, had committed no crime against the state. Their only crime was being born by the parents of the people in that compound. Is that justification to murder 25 children? For me, I say no way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it, it can be drawn out to, to even a larger scale too of uh, this is what we complain about a lot in Yemen that these children in Yemen are dying at an alarming rate of cholera uh, based on our own embargo. And, you know, Biden came out and, and said nice words about stopping that. It seems like we're at least not uh, completely pulling our support out of that. We're definitely supplying intel and uh, I believe also air support, which is kind of exactly what we're doing in Syria here. Um, but these there are people here who are just trying to live their life in both circumstances. There are people who made conscious choices that the best way for them to live in their environment, like we say, in these these situations where you have The best purview of all of the factors in front of you of your own skill set of what you have available to you and you meet a guy like a david koresh and you think that he's so charismatic and he can seem to read this holy book better than any man you've ever seen and and you decide that that's the best way to live your life then whose right is it then to come in there and and wipe you from the face of the earth (laughs) and especially for these children i mean these are these are grotesque things that we're we're giving and based on lifestyle choices based on people choosing and, you know, the weapons are, are one thing. That's something they worry about, but we've seen a lot of these. We talked about Ruby Ridge, I think in the last episode where it's uh, they get it wrong and they get it wrong a lot. And I know that uh, David Koresh had even offered to allow agents to come in to see his paperwork for all of the firearms at one point in time uh, and that they neglected to do so. They didn't want to go in and, and check his paperwork because they already had their orders. They knew what they were going to do here. They were already set on, a show of force and, and setting siege to this and and I, I did want to make the point too that every you said a lot that they know these things they know that the tear gas has this history um, and maybe somebody would make the opposite argument. but even then how does that justify it that is ignorance better than being malicious? maybe slightly, but are we still willing to give this power structure? The ability to go in there and burn 25 children alive based on ignorance and still say, "Well, it's better than the alternative of this church in Texas having a polygamist way of life," and a bunch of people deciding to go to this compound, uh, and and of course there are gray lines in all this thing of of the what are the children's rights? How who was being uh, coerced or swindled into this? Is there fraud involved? But does any of that add up to 25 children being burned alive? Is any of that worse than? what the government did to these people in the end, I would probably argue not.
1: That's a really, that's a really hard argument to make. It really is. And put it in historical perspective, right? Um, We look at these people and they say, Oh, they're a cult. They're a fringe cult. They're just these radicals on a compound in Texas. You know, um, and that is true because they are not they didn't subscribe to the tradition traditional Protestant view of Christianity. But keep in mind guys, once upon a time when Mar- when Martin Luther goes and nails his treatise to the to the door of the church, right? Like Protestantism is a, it is a violent insurrection and it is a cult according to the Catholic church, right? And how many, how many Protestants there are, I mean, just in this country alone, right? It, it is the, it is the dominant religion. Um, I know that Christianity is, but I think that there are more Protestants in this country than there are Catholics. And so in just, you know, in 500 years, you can go from, well, you're an insurrectionist cult because Viewed Martin Luther, and there's the, there's actually it's actually a really cool story. Um, okay, quick little plug. If you are interested in knowing a wild story of history that is so obscure and is just like grotesque and radical and twisting all the way, go listen to um, Dan Carlin's The Prophets of Doom. It is mm-hmm. like a three and a half hour podcast about the, the Anabaptist takeover of the city of Munster with Jan van Leiden. And um, anyways, that it's a great story and I strongly recommend people go listen to it, but for reasons, right. there There were, there were German princes that didn't mind Martin Luther doing this because it's their way to like, you know, get the Catholic church, their, their stranglehold out from, from the region. Right. And so at the end of the day, like all of this stuff is just being played out on the geopolitical chessboard, whether it be the state in the form of the church versus another church or whether it be the state versus another sovereign nation, right? They're all, it's all just vying for power. And that is, that is ultimately what is just all, most of these forces of history are just stories of struggle for power or to escape from power. And so why is it and so I, I guess the point I wanted to make is like, once upon a time, Protestants were, were, were radical cultists too. And now it is one of the, the, you know, it's a dominant religion. And back to our episode where we talked about free speech, where it's like, the cool thing about America is that there's no wrong idea legally. Right. Um, that, you, that, that we can hash this out in the public square and that we can talk about this and that we can go back and forth. And it is the public discourse and dialogue that actually creates good ideas and it crafts narratives that guide society. And also it's like, so what if, if that's the way that 80 people want to live? And you're scared, like, then, then we have to ask ourselves, why are we scared of that? What does that threaten in my own way of life? You know, because if it's a good idea, it's a good idea. And who knows, maybe, maybe the branch of were going to become the next major religion, or maybe it's just a, maybe it's just less than hundred people deciding that that's how less than a hundred people want to live their life. And at the end of the day, it's like, what's the big deal? We've lost this idea of like, live and let live. We've, we've definitely taken the approach, live and let die. It is, you know, and as long as as long as I am on the good side of history, quote unquote, well, then everything that we do to those that are lesser, that have less power, that don't have the state apparatus or the narrative behind them, well, then so be it. Hey, guys, I wanted to take a quick break from the show to introduce our newest sponsor. I am beyond thrilled to let you guys know about Laurenzati Coffee. That's right. I said it. Laurenzati Coffee. Lorenzotti Coffee brings premium, authentic Italian coffee right to your front door. Even though a trip to the rolling hills of Tuscany is preferable, you can taste the flavors right from your kitchen in any town in America. Lorenzotti Coffee was founded and is run by two liberty-loving entrepreneurs whose passion is coffee. They believe coffee should be more than burnt beans brewed into a cup of sugar, hurriedly served by someone just counting the minutes until their next break. So go check them out to get premium cafe italiano dropped off right at your front door when you check out use the promo code atm10 for 10 percent off your purchase again use the promo code atm10 that is a as in against t as in the and m as in mob it's a win 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 you get great coffee and help support a small business just trying to sling some beans and in turn help them support us you can find them online at laurenzati.coffee. all right let's hop back into the show
0: and even more to that point of the, the Protestants being this outside group at one point in time, even more so the Protestants came to America. That's one of the the founding principles in this country is the right to practice what religion you see fit. And yet even generations later, the Baptists, I grew up in a Baptist church myself. They were a demonized group amongst Protestant churches when they were a new church coming up in the South. It's, it happens time and time again. I mean, there's always going to be New ideas. Um, I've always thought it's quite pompous to read the Bible and think that you 100%, if you believe this is the spoken word of God, and that God has sent down through a series of metaphors and stories about the ancestry of his people, the correct way to live life, and you gave it a once over and you you got it all right the first time, or some room of guys, because there is a group of people that they got it right, is it impossible to believe that perhaps there's another person who could have gleaned the truth from this scripture that could have uh, created these ideas better and even moreover where do you draw this line where you then get to decide that they're so grotesquely incorrect in the way that they're and I, I think that a lot of it comes down to especially with the branch davidians they were a young enough church that they didn't have generations who had grown up in it really whereas in scientology it's it's coming out where you have these uh, uh leah Rimini type of characters who grew up in that church and they're coming out now and they're talking about the evils of the indoctrination of it from when you're a child and it, there is something to be said for that. That's one of those gray areas for sure that you you think, what about these children that they don't get a choice to be raised in it? Um, but where do you draw that line? Do, are we going to start going into the Amish cornfields and abducting their children because they're not living our way of life? We did this at one point in time to the Native Americans. We would take these Native American boys and cut their hair and send them off to a proper English school and teach them the, the correct way to live because they didn't understand life. Uh, and now we've come back. Here we are. Hundreds of years later, we can look back at that and say, man, there's a lot of things in our society that are messed up that if you listen to some of these old chieftains or medicine men of these tribes and their wisdom, they really understand some things that give us anxiety in our everyday life for the hustle and bustle of living in cities and large structures and and creating these wage slavery systems that they lived a lot more freely than we did in a lot of ways and had a better life. They had a more uh, closer familial connection than we do in our society today but they weren't allowed to have that in the public because that was against the state's propaganda that was not okay these were a bunch of savages who needed christianity in their life and we all but wiped them off the face of the earth we've they live in in small corners that the government the state apparatus has allowed for them to be in now and you, we have to understand that we don't have the right to keep doing this to people we can't just continuously decide that everybody that we've decided the right way to live and that you need to live like we say that you live. Um, and certainly there are, we, we as libertarians glean out the black and white of these principles in the non-aggression principle, in the right to property. But there are gonna be arguments within that that we need to, to still hash out. And I think that the, the biggest point that we wanna push is that while we're trying to figure out what those gray areas are, there are clearly atrocities happening with these power structures that we're just all co-signing by allowing it to continue going on and, and jumping in and being good Patriots for the state of America while they gallivant around the world, building the largest empire the world's ever seen.
1: Hmm. I mean, that's a, that's a really good, um, yeah, we can, we can shift gears to a little bit of foreign policy with that being said. um, I, ju- I just want to challenge everybody to just stop and think what good is actually coming from having, last time I checked it was, God, man, what is it? It's like 800 military bases around the country or around the world. I mean, like what good does it do to have 800 plus military? And even if it's 50, it doesn't matter, right? It's like, what good does it come from having military bases on foreign soil with having thousands of troops deployed to these areas? Um, What, like, how does that make America any safer? And it's one of those things, this is not an insult to to the average American, but the average American, I would, if I pulled out a map, you could not tell me where Syria is, right? Especially if there's, if, if, especially if all of like the little, you know, people know how to read, they're like, ah, that's Syria. But if I just showed you like a blank map that just had country lines drawn on it, most people wouldn't be able to tell me where Syria is. Most people wouldn't be able to tell me where Iraq is, where Yemen is, where Kuwait is, where Lebanon is, where Iran is, where all of, you know, this this kind of contiguous blob that we just lump into them as the Middle East, most people couldn't differentiate, let alone, I, w- I would probably make a wager that a lot of people wouldn't be able, be able to find the Middle East on a map. So if we don't even know where these places are, then what good? is coming from it, that we have troops deployed there and we continuously bomb these people. And beyond that, because I think the details of what happened in uh, with this latest drone strike with Joe Biden is, you know, like the details, it, it falls back into the same old American story. They targeted someone that we are supporting and therefore we have to retaliate. But I just have to beg every American to stop and think, how would you feel? If you have grown up now with almost two decades of foreign intervention and meddling in your country and in your community, how would you actually think? Would you look at those people hanging out on the Air Force Base who are doing whatever they're doing with those planes? They're going to go off and bomb other people. Like, Would you look at those people and say, they're, they're here to liberate me, right? After you lived through having your leader deposed after watching the civil war that erupted after that, pow- after we, you know, cut the head off the snake and what a terribly waged war, the war in Afghan or the war. Well, both of them were, but it's like Iraq, what a terribly waged war. Like, how could it's like, like, you don't, you can be a, you can be like a freshman at West Point and look at how they fought that. And it's like, well, this is going to be bad. You know, it's like you could pull some, some schmuck right from high school going into college that has any sort of a military mindset, but like, well, this is going to end poorly. And I guess what I'm trying to get at is we have to shift our focus, having all of carrying out these sorties, bombing these people does not make America any safer. We are playing with the law of insurgency, the math of insurgency. When you kill an insurgent, you do not eliminate that insurgent. You have just galvanized X amount of people that were on the fence about the movement, because there's a reason that they're on the fence, right? Maybe they don't fully believe in it. But as soon as you blow up their dad, their sister, their brother, their uncle, their cousin, their brother, you know, anybody, as soon as you kill someone close to them, we are now the enemy. And we are, we are the evil empire. And the problem is that we are living in the story. It's like, okay, this is star Wars we are the evil empire and we are and the story is being told from darth vader right we are soldiers of the galactic (laughs) senate that is that is the problem is that we have the narrative wrong because if you go to these places and i'm not saying that we shouldn't have retaliated um for 9-11 right that's not what i'm saying i'm not saying that when there's actual attacks and damage to american life um that that should just you know we should just roll over because you know, there's consequences to to what we do in life. But what I am trying to get at is how, how, having spent trillions of dollars caused hundreds of thousands of lives lost, billions, not trillions of dollars of property damage, right? Like we have just set back and created so much chaos. And for what? the protection of America, this does not make us any safer. Every day that we are there, we are breeding more enemies. And I mean, Ron Paul talks about in the revolution, it's blowback. We all know it's a thing. I've said it on this podcast. Logan said on the podcast, you listen to any libertarian podcast. We talk about blowback.
0: Why? Because it is a very well understood thing. And it's not an American thing either. Uh, when you were talking earlier about every country that we're in, how many military bases we have, I always like to And there are no shortage of comparisons to, from America to Rome. uh, But I always like to take the map. When you look at what the Roman empire was at its peak and all those red territories over Europe to Africa to, to the Middle East, those weren't all the Roman empire. A lot of spots on that map were Roman controlled subsidiary states. And what that essentially meant at that point in time was that's where they had standing military bases. So over time, we've put this on the map that look at this big red area that Rome controlled, but not all that was ever called. It wasn't all called Rome. They all had their own subsidiary areas. They all had their own ruling classes. Uh, they were just subject to Rome where they had a, a Roman senator that was in charge of their region. Um, I think that in the future, when America's come and gone, when you look at America on a map, that's going to be the story that's left over Is the blue, red, white, and blue maps going to be the entire world. This is going to be the first empire that conquered the world. And I know a lot of people say, no, all these other countries are, are standing on their own. There's a lot of, but the truth is we have military bases in all of them. And that's some, that used to be the standard of drawing these maps up of this is what control is. This is what it is to to own an area. And again, to continue drawing that same line from Rome, why did Rome fall so quickly when it when it did become weak? It's because everybody's chomping at the bits. They would had centuries of Rome mm-hmm. taking their women and enslaving their people, murdering their great leaders, and they couldn't wait to get Roman blood on their swords because this was the great oppressor. And that's the danger of this blowback that we always like to bring up, that we're out there right now murdering people for what we like to say is, is fighting for our safety our defense budget we don't call it the offense budget it's the defensive budget but yet nobody's ever come here and attacked us for our freedom if you look up the the reason for 9/11 there's no terrorist saying we're tired of a democracy we felt democracy was a great evil in this world we felt like the freedom of the american people is against god that, that's not what they said they said that america has brought its empire to our front door that they have imposed on us their beliefs When we believe in Allah, they believe in God and they're trying to erase our kind from the face of the earth. And why wouldn't they believe that when you come in there with and especially in places in the Middle East, um, you know, Iran would be a, a formidable fight. But Afghanistan, when we're rolling in there with tanks, with air support, I mean, there was I remember reading a story when I was in high school of them talking about the American death ray. And it was essentially an old targeting system that still used a visible laser. So it was a, a laser red flash would come and then a bomb would hit. And it was an inconceivable for them to understand this targeting system to where they were describing it as a death ray that there was some sort of <laughs> like religious weapon where they could just focus the fire of God onto the earth and, and wipe out people. Um, those people don't hear that story. They don't see the tanks rolling over the hill and go, well, this is what our country did. We shouldn't have messed with America. They're listening to the propaganda that's coming from their country that's saying, this American devil is coming for your land. They're coming for your oil. They're going to kill everybody here. They don't believe in your God. They don't believe in your culture. They're a complete foreign entity that's coming into your land to oppress you, to make you live the way they want you to live. And the only natural reaction to that's always going to be blowback. Why would they not take up arms? Uh, I mean, of course, they're going to be the turncoats, I guess. They're going to be the people who decide that they want to be the part of the new empire, but the history is riddled with those people as well. The Benedict Arnold's and the, the people we hate because they were so gross about bowing uh, the bootlickers, and we have terms for them, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and why would you expect anything else? Uh, who, who among us wouldn't seek revenge? Uh, we pray, we love John Wick. What is John Wick doing? He's getting revenge for a beagle. You know how much more you're going to magnify the anger you have for your beagle going missing for if your mother and sister bombed at a wedding because they happened to be loosely... So they, their their cousin was marrying somebody who was loosely associated with a terrorist that the government of America wants to take out. How would that not enrage you?
1: Mm-hmm. And the whole... I mean, the whole... And
0: what, what we're trying to...
1: absurdity from an episode like Waco to the entire campaign of the Middle East, it is essentially that we decide that we can dictate someone's life better than they can run their life. And we've talked about this. We reject that principle. I believe the individual is sovereign far better than anyone else can run their life. And at the same time, there's going to be people that make bad mistakes. There's going to, so what people make bad choices, right? There's no way to legislate morality and there's no way to save people from themselves so at the end of the day I mean if someone's gonna if someone's hell-bent on doing something then it's you you got a certain point as long as you know and there's the, there's all these gray areas that I just keep getting bogged down in mentally, um, but but this, it, but those gray areas are something that we can talk about and we can hash out. But at the end of the day, we have got to come to a place, and this is like the call to action of Americans. Like we have got to stop our foreign policy. It has got to end. It is nothing but damaging. It is nothing but sucking up the coffers. It is taking your hard earned tax money sees in the form of a missile and a and a you know a tomahawk missile and uh moab bombs and i can't what what did they use they use j wraps maybe for this i have a hard time keeping all my military yeah, knows
0: straight but it <laughs> was the end of the day it's yet like- another multi-million dollar missile that the people yep. who have bombed have no conception of the previous seven models of missile that killed them Exactly. And, and we're spending what millions of dollars to
1: kill people that are, you know, in economic terms, I'm going to make a hundred thousand dollars in their life. And you yeah. know, and it's like, what is, but the, but it's not even to relegate them to, in terms of dollars, it is just to show how absurd this is. And also like you, we have to, we have to come to a place where yes, maybe these people are targeting American troops and they are doing this stuff, but we're there in their backyard. Like if if they were over here, would you not be as equally upset? And we have got to we have got to shift our our mentality as americans and we've got to start demanding that all of these that all of our elected rulers because that's what they are at this point they're not even leaders they're not even public servants they're just rulers and they're they're sucking the teat of the american taxpayer and they're shipping all of our wealth overseas and they're devaluing the value of your money with inflation through all of this this monetary nonsense that they talk about and you can i mean can we just stop and acknowledge, is it not a little fishy that Biden's Secretary of Defense is still a board member of Raytheon?
0: I mean, can we not, is that like, like that's not even a conversation. Let's not not let our our view get so narrow to think that uh, that's a Biden thing. There have been an incredible amount of these arms dealers who have been in charge of our foreign uh, policy. And that's, that's something that, of course, should raise your eyebrow. Why would it not? Um, I did want to go over a little bit. I thought it was interesting that you mentioned uh, the language in there that I read. Uh, I got an article from CNN that I was reading. I wanted to kind of see the mainstream view of this story. Um, go for it. And I thought the language was really interesting. I'll link it of course with this episode, but um, the first thing that jumps out to me is of course, all of the setup to the story is how they attacked Americans first, Of course. which is kind of just what you're saying in your backyard. Um, and in fact, this was an Iraq base that got hit. Um And the way they put it is there were some American soldiers there, you know, we're working in a a capacity that we're helping this base run. And they kind of had the audacity to kill these American soldiers. I think it was two or three killed, another one with a concussion. And then the biggest one, they made sure and highlight that a civilian contractor was killed. Now they like to use the, the word contractor because if I think of contractor, I think, hey, my toilet got broke. I had to contract a plumber to come fix it. Or I needed a new new patio on my back porch, so I needed a contractor to put that together, uh, call a couple subcontractors that I don't have the connections for. But in this context, more times than not, what contractor means are these Blackwater type of characters. These are guys of military experience who are working in a mercenary role now that they've left the U.S. government. And they're typically hired because they do the things that the U.S. government says that they don't do. So the U.S. government can sit up there and say, we didn't tear anybody's fingernails off. We didn't hook anybody up to battery cables. Uh, Because Blackwater did that. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean it was that. There are other types of contractors in that area. But even at the most innocent, this is probably a contractor who's helping build planes or helping build bombs. Uh, And that was exactly the case with this Iraqi base is that the capacity that the Americans were there in was that we were servicing planes and providing intel. So it's like, why would they want to unprovokedly attack us for we're just repairing planes and supplying intel and we're telling these planes uh, that then have Iraqi where pilots bomb. where to go bomb Syrians. <laughs> and so th- that's what doesn't get mentioned in the CNN article is this is a military base that has been bombing their country, and they bombed it. Shocker. Who would think that they might want to bomb a base that's been bombing their their civilian targets in their country? <laughs> and so then we have this, uh, and most of the story, I think, have really has captured our uh, media in The u.s because uh one there's a big vacuum because we don't have trump to talk about anymore so we're all kind of reeling for a story at this point Uh, (laughs) but two it's biden's first executive action to uh or at least a command for the top to to have a, a foreign attack um a lot of people freaked out about it because it got so much media attention um i had friends asking me like is this the is this the big spark for the big war kind of thing it's not this is business as usual for the u.s government this is kind of what we always do over there um, but I do, we did under Trump and we did, you know, right. I'm, not it, here to, I'm not here stop. to
1: absolve anybody. It happened under Trump. It happened under Bush happened under Obama, right. Happened under George W. You know, it's, right. it's what we do. Right. It's, right. It's this is,
0: do. this is business. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about getting back to business. As usual. you know, we're going to, we're going to continue to, to do these kind of things to oppress the, the area America's around it, back, baby. Mm-hmm. We're back. Mm-hmm. And it's these, these, I just, uh, wanted to make sure and point out kind of the veil of legitimacy that you get when you talk about the media. And uh, that's not something that's a stone's throw from Waco either, where they go out of their way to paint these people as terrible that um, mm-hmm. I even saw David Thibodeau, who's one of the survivors who, uh, you know, take his story with a grain of salt as well, because this is a gentleman who was definitely close to the the cult leader there at the Branch Levidian. Um, so he's, he's obviously got his own biases, but I know that he mentioned that the, in the trials in San Antonio afterwards, they tried to claim that the branch civilian members were covering themselves with wet blankets to hide the fact that their members were committing suicide. So this is something that got, the story got out there somewhere. And this was the case. Maybe there's some truth to it. We'll never know because it's hard to, to biopsy a bunch of burned bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would think if you were pumping my house full of tear gas, one of the first things I might think of in a pinch was to put a wet blanket over my head to try to keep that gas out. So yeah. it, it's just the idea that they're, they're going to go and they're going to paint this. It's always going to be your freedom, your safety that they're coming for when the government decides that they wipe somebody off the face of the earth. And we need to understand that the language and the propaganda that we're getting from the state is exactly that. It's them trying to justify their own position. And that we need to read deeper into these stories and ask ourselves what we believe is right for this state to do. Even if you're not somebody like Matthew Rye, who's a kind of radical, minarchist, libertarian type of person who thinks that we shouldn't have much of a government at all. Let's start having these conversations, even if you think you're we're idiots, that where is this line? Because we've obviously crossed it a long time ago. We're doing a lot of detriment through the power of the state, oppressing people all over the world, including here within our own borders.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you are free to do as you're told at this point, you know? Um, and just touching on what you said about the narrative and just pushing back, it's like we've well, got to, that's you're 100% right. It's like the culture war, um, also. radicals, right? Because we believe that uh, you should have, that you have rights. You know, we're radical because we believe that the individual is sovereign. You know, we're, we're radical because we just want to, you know, we think that you shouldn't hit kids and take their stuff because that's, that's so (laughs) radical. And if that's, and that is been called a radical in my personal life um, within the last week. And that was my exact response. It's like, yeah, I'm so radical with my ideas of self-ownership and free market yep that's that's me just not the radical you know but anyways um this idea this like narrative is we're those who love liberty we're behind in the culture war we're behind and we we are late to the party and when i say late to the party i mean we're talking about decades late to the party the state has co-opted the narrative and it is being crammed School teachers, because I you know, I have I have a lot of respect for a lot of awesome school teachers, but the state is the main course to indoctrinate our children through the public school system to, you know, get us pumped up about the red, white, and blue. The media is so skewed. And I mean, even Fox news as the dissenting conservative network, it's all statist, right? I mean, that's at the end of the day, we can argue. It's like, no, there's right leaning
0: news sources. Yeah. But they're all advocating for the state. I mean, you know, there are some great resources out there. I I think it's important again, just to make that distinction because I think way too much this because they've and maybe it's part of the state propaganda. Maybe it's part of co-opting the term of the red pill. But I think this idea of the red pill gets used so much to mean right-wing. And it doesn't. That's missing the point, that we're not saying that we want more right-wing media out there. We're saying that both the right-wing and the left-wing media, both the major party on the right and the left, are already co-opted by the state system. And that they are there being the uh, intellectuals of the state that they're preaching this message that this is why you need the state. They're legitimizing the state at every turn. And that it, it's not an argument of left oppressing, right. It's an argument of statist oppressing and justifying the state or justifying the state rather and oppressing people who would want to live a more free life. I just wanted mm-hmm. to make that distinction real quick.
1: No, hundred percent. And thank you for making that. And it's just like the, the narrative is, The narrative is so skewed and just to, you know, touch on narratives that kind of tickled me Um, yesterday, the internet was on fire and it was absolutely savage because I, I, this, this whole idea um, started turning in my head when um, I went to, I was just on Instagram and it was uh, the ATF's post. It was like ATF HQ. I think that's their official um, Instagram. It's like remembering, remembering Waco, and it's like today we honor the four special agents that gave the ultimate sacrifice while serving a, a an arrest warrant. And the internet was savage. And I mean, they were clapping back hard. It's like, oh, we remember this. And it's a picture of ATF agents posing in the charred remains where you have a smoldering body in the background, right? And that is just one of the without, because I I do want to talk more about this, but we are running out of time. Um, What I want to know is why didn't this like, like, ah, you could have done that so much better. Right. Like just nab him when he goes to the grocery store. He is not a shut in. Right. He's never he doesn't never leave. You know, he goes out in public. Why not just wait till he goes to the grocery store, surround him with six agents and be like, sir, please come with us. But no, you're going to execute the search warrant after you've lost the element of surprise. They knew they were coming. I mean, they knew they were coming. And there were people on the inside, there were just like, "Mm, maybe we shouldn't do this. But the fact that the state just proceeds to do what the state does, because it is a bad plan that cannot be altered, right? That's one of my favorite military maxims. And that is, this is exactly what happens when you have rigid suits, sitting at desk who are in incapable of perceiving how their actions actually affect real people in the real world. You get tragedies like Waco. When you have suits sitting at desk like the secretary of defense and people who work for the CIA and like CIA top advisors and the, and the white house and in the form of Joe Biden or whatever war criminal we would like to put in there, because as far as I'm concerned, they're all war criminals. Um, Whenever you get these suits at desk making decisions, It is so far removed from the real consequences of it that they're, you know, that they don't even, uh, it's, and I don't know what's worse. They don't think about the collateral damage that happens or they don't care. One of the two, because at this point, it's no secret what happens. And I just, I just really want to implore you guys to just stop and think like, what can we do? as Americans, right? Because we have to take this back. No one's, the state is not going to give us back our rights. And this is not the call for the armed revolution, but it is the call for civil disobedience. It is the call to do what we can in legitimate and peaceful ways. And we should exhaust all of those options and resources to actually try to push back on this because like this is, this is out of control, right? Why are, why are, why are, relatively like why are individually like good and decent people okay with this because it happens on the state level no that's bullshit that's bullshit we have to start rejecting this idea that just because the state does it it's okay because the the state is made up of people people are fallible creatures therefore the state is not perfect you know and so we have to build in the safeguards for the individual to be protected in in the system
0: yeah and i think that's really prudent to say that we're not saying even that it's impossible for a state apparatus for a power structure to do good things. I think the state has done good things in the past. I think Mm -hmm. freeing the slaves is a, a, it's hard to find somebody who would argue that's a bad thing today that, that uh, whose opinion I would respect anyway. I mean, there's, the capacity for good is there for the state, but I think the capacity for bad is also there. And I think that comes back into this argument of human nature that there is going to be an incentive structure in the same way when you're a car salesman, you might sell somebody a car at a high APR that you might not knock down that price to what you know you can knock it down because it is feeding your children. And it's not necessarily that I'm doing something immoral. It's that I'm doing my job. I was hired here. I get paid a paycheck and I need to do my job to the best of my ability. And sometimes that means taking advantage of somebody or at least not.
1: Yeah, well, you know what? It's consensual though. They signed a
0: contract. That's right. You know? That's right.
1: You should, if, if you're, if you're upset about your interest rate, you should have done more research. <laughs> and you're, you know, that's
0: consensual. 100%. That's, that's but a contract. I, but the point I'm trying to get at is that, that's say it's the incentive base that leads that person to try to take advantage of you. Sure. And in the same way, when we have these large structures that have military power that are trying to justify their own budget to maintain said military power, then they're going to find reasons to need that budget. That's the way it always works. We've all, I mean, you can think back to when we were in school and your school teacher at the end of the year, if they had a fewer, and maybe that's a not very common occurrence being that we grew up in a school of a high school of 110 kids in it by the time I was a senior, um, where they have budgets left over and they have to blow it at the end of the year. So they do something like a little school field trip or a party and they make sure that that money gets spent. Because what happens is you have bureaucrats at the top that cut your budget. Um, now, I wish we had more bureaucrats that were interested in cutting budgets within our system in America. Uh, seems like we have a lot more bureaucrats that are interested in expanding that budget. But the, the argument remains that uh, in the same way the CIA was at one point in time was there to monitor the Soviet Union. When the Soviet Union collapsed, the CIA didn't decide they needed to also go away. They justified their position to exist because there are a lot of people who feed their families by being part of the CIA. Mm-hmm. And that these these types of momentum, the, the incentive structure that we have to make sure our families have a better lot in life, if those incentive structures line up with some of these power structures, then they cause us to oppress other people and take advantage of them for our own benefit more times than not. And it takes a really strong person and a really morally outstanding person to have that presented to them and to reject it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a whole book on a guy named Jesus that did that, that people still talk about a lot today. Uh, It's that kind of rare that if somebody is able to just reject those kinds of things, we will praise them for the rest of eternity. It's (laughs) it's something that's not common. Most people are not stronger than that kind of incentive base.
1: Right. Yeah. 100%. Um, Well, I think that, uh, Logan, any last wrap up thoughts?
0: You know, I think the only thing we uh, haven't said yet is just people over politics, which we're trying to make our new mantra, you know, find those people in your life that are good people, um, convince them with arguments, but we should never condemn people just because they have a misunderstanding or because they're ignorant to the right way to live life. Um, We should let people live their life the way they see fit. And we should try to show them through action in our own lives that maybe they're wrong and that we have a better way to live. And if you're unable to do so, then maybe you're not correct yourself.
1: Mhm. 100%. My man, I do have two books I'd like to recommend for anybody who is interested in how to um, how to actually start com- conversing. You know, with your neighbor. One is uh, Arnold Kling, The Three Language of Politics, and I will link that in the uh, episode description. Three Language of Politics, and the other is The Righteous Mind from Jonathan Haidt. I don't have that one's just out of reach for me right now. But like Logan said, we we don't want to sit here and um, just be a negative force, right? We, we attack these things so that we can show the, show the problems and the logic so that therefore we can start to rebuild with better logic. And that logic is going to follow individual rights. And I know I say it all the time, but it's like the individual sovereign and in the state has no business telling you how to live your life. And if we can start taking the small steps that we can, you know, it's like if we can start getting the state out of things that does not belong in tomorrow, then, you know, slowly, but surely, and I'm not calling for, you know, tearing down the system overnight, um, Cause I don't really have anything. I don't, I haven't had, I don't have it well enough thought out to even what are we going to do after we tear down? So I'm not advocating for that, but what I am advocating for is us to really start thinking critically about the power structure that is the state to start looking at where we fall in line in that power structure and thinking about ways that we can actually start to take our freedoms back because they are not, the, the government never gives rights back once once they take them they're they're the governments. And the yeah. only way that they're ever retrieved is if we take them. So remember guys, it's people over politics. We are not the state. Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, once again, please leave us a five-star review, like share, subscribe, tell a friend. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, this Friday, we will be releasing a bonus episode. Um, school is back in session with Dr. Matthew Mitchell from the Mercatus Institute at George Mason. Um, he he comes back on to let us know what we got wrong with GameStop and uh, just kind of expand the the conversation on uh, on the free market. And uh, we dive into some internet censorship. It's actually a really good conversation. I've got it all edited up and uh, ready to go. So keep a weather eye out on the horizon for a bonus episode on Friday. Until next time, guys. Peace.